The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. So this has been a topic of, of conversation for many, 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 many years in Alberta. And then there's a, a new poll that was uh, done by Ipsos, or Ipsos yep. uh, talking about Western Canadians and alienation and, and about the connect that Western Canadians have to um, their provinces compared to Canada as a whole. And... It has said, just straight out, Western Canadians, ladies and gentlemen, feel more connected to their own provinces, so you as an Albertan feel more connected to Alberta than you do to the country, and that hasn't changed since 2001. It says... Uh, 76% of Western Canadians polled felt that there is a unique Western Canadian identity, and that hasn't changed in 17 years. What I find interesting... I grew up in Ontario. Mm-hmm. I lived in Ontario until um, 1998. I moved to Regina for two years, moved here in 2000. I had, until I moved out here, and of course, why would Ontario, the center of the universe sort of mm-hmm. thing, right? Even you know, even though you're living in northern Ontario. <laughs> I had no idea that this sort of thing, this connect to... Uh, for some, independence, uh, a separation to just being Western was so strong until I moved here and saw it firsthand. Well, it's interesting because among the other results from the study, 49%, so almost half, mm-hmm. uh, responded that they believe their province does not get its fair share from Confederation. 49% of Westerners feeling yep. that. And only 19% saying, I think Western Canadians' views are adequately represented mm-hmm. in Ottawa. So let's dispose of a couple of things first. We have a pipeline problem right now. We so do. this uh, this survey was taken at that time. But I don't believe that that in, in a great way affected the outcome because the pipeline issue is hot right now and it's on people's minds. But over the years, there's been lots of those types of issues where either money's gone to some Ontario industry or company and hasn't come here or they've closed offices. There's always historically been some fights between Western provinces and Ottawa. So I don't believe that 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 particular situation skewed things. But I will say this. So I've been talking about Western alienation. They didn't call it that, but that's what I call it, Western alienation for decades and I've tried to describe it to my friends and family Mm -hmm. out east and they don't get it Mm -hmm. like you they don't what's this I didn't get it until I moved here right and and you have to look at it's not just about politics it's about everything and we get called whiners when we bring this up and I'm curious of course if our listeners agree or disagree or have input on this there's several things the elections are one thing the number of seats that are in uh Quebec and Ontario versus the Western provinces, especially given how much the population has grown in Western Canada, I don't believe is fair representation. There's the fact that for many years, we in the West had not voted yet, and yet a majority government had been elected. I was just going to bring that up, yeah, right. the way that uh, the way it moves across the exactly. country on election night. Yeah. So, you know, they started changing that and not allowing coverage and that kind of thing, but it doesn't change the fact that once coverage starts, you pretty much know that you just did not decide the government, right? And that's not, in my mind, fair representation. But that's all the politics, but it's more than that. And it, and it's like, it almost feels like sitting down with your girlfriend or your boyfriend to describe what's wrong with the relationship and they think you're nitpicking, but you're not because it's the body of work. Consider national coverage of sports and what Toronto-based <laughs> sports networks cover. And 
you know, in an effort to be more Canadian or more universal, you know, maybe they'll shoot out to Vancouver and see how the Canucks are doing. But you would think even in this day and age that Austin Matthews is the only hockey player worthy of wall-to-wall coverage, and Connor McDavid plays for that team in, in Edmonton that didn't do very well last year, right? But it's even more than that, and I'll, this is the best example I can give, and I'm sorry because I'm going to identify a network, and I know that that's probably unprofessional of me. Years ago, and, and as I say, I used to be, I used to talk about this in my act, I used to talk to mm. my relatives about it, I calmed down a little bit in my older age, but one day the CBC reached out to me. And they said, do you think there's such a thing as Western alienation? And I said, there definitely is. And we spoke on the phone, as you will do, a pre-interview, get your views. And they were like, you know, we're doing a whole show on this, an hour-long show on this, and we would love to interview you for that show. And I said, perfect. And we set a time and a place, and I went. And before we started filming, I started talking to them, and... I asked, did you not, uh, you know, do you not have views on this as well? I mean, it must be hard to be impartial. And and they were like, no, we'd never heard of it before. And I I realized they're all from Toronto. So they did a show on Western alienation, and they sent a crew from Toronto to do the show. Mm. They We had a local CBC affiliate, had and have. They didn't get a single cameraman, not a single sound guy, mm. not... The drive- was it a national show, though? Yes. It was a national show, so but that's going to come out of Toronto. But why would you not, at the very least, get a local producer to have some input well, on they it? They had you. you. They had you to talk about it. I know, but, you know, it's that kind of thing <laughs> where you're just like, that's that whole yeah. Eastern-centric view that, you know, who does it best? We do, because we're in Toronto. But here is, here's, here's a question for you. Is it Eastern Canada, or is it Ontario? Well, you know, that's an interesting question. Because to me, I, Ontario's I, the problem, and Quebec's a whole other problem. And because I would say that the folks on the coast, on the East Coast, would... Eastern... Would, I, would, that's a whole different yeah, ball I mean, of wax right over there. Eastern Canadians, Maritimers specifically, and I am also one of those, they feel alienated mm-hmm. as well. They feel alienated in a different mm-hmm. way, though. Um and it, and again, I, I don't want to speak oh, on behalf of all I would say though that they feel like they're not getting they're not getting what they deserve that they've been they've been shafted over the years. Unless things have changed since I left the Maritimes, and it's been quite some time. The Maritime, the Maritimers' key argument at the foundation of all arguments against the federal government is the Confederation in many ways did not help them. In many ways, it hindered them. Mm. That they had industries that were. Uh, developing now, mind you, and not trying to be funny here. For example, Prince Edward Island's industry was building ships, but they were wooden ships. So obviously, <laughs> you know what I mean. Things change. Things change, and they didn't change with it. But in many ways, they feel as though they were sort of forced into a have-not situation and don't have the ability to get back out of it again on their own. Western Canadians feel the opposite. We're in a have situation, and we're financing the rest of the country. Mm. And and in many ways. Alberta has changed in terms of our economic might and in terms of our population. But I don't feel as though, personally, I just don't feel as though the representation in Ottawa reflects that. And I think that's at the basis Mm -hmm. of most people's thoughts. If, If when you see big checks being written to Bombardier... And and you, or you know, or the industry, the car industry being bailed out, the auto industry being bailed out, or you see those kind of things. You go, okay, I get it. Those are Canadian companies. We have to help them out. But then our oil industry suddenly hits a wall. Where's the check? And and you know what? It's sort of like we're like the ch- the overachieving child of Confederation, because we didn't even want a check. Just build the pipeline. You know what I mean? Let us earn the money. 
it's we're, we're like the child that said, look, I understand that we can't afford all the food and rent, mom and dad, so I'm going to get a paper route. And then they're like, you can't get a paper route. You're not allowed to get a paper route. Okay, we were willing to earn the money, but you won't even let us earn the money. That's And, and you don't see why that's a problem. You don't, as a resident of Montreal or a resident of Toronto or Ottawa, just as a resident, you don't see the problem. You You just go... Oh, wait a second, you know, Ontario or Alberta, I mean, they want to do this environmentally disastrous thing that could kill, you know, whatever, whatever, as they drive their cars to work no, at no. their subsidized no. company. You know, they don't get it. And and they're sympathetic if they're friends of yours, but they still don't get it. This this is, and, and they'll say things like, well, time to diversify. Well, okay, let me get right on that. Well, it is time. It is yes. time to diversify. But, you can't but diverse do it by Friday. But diversification doesn't happen overnight. Right. I mean, we've been talking about diversification has been talked about for as long as I've lived in this province. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. What's Where are holding, we on that front? Right. What's holding back? Not well. I shouldn't say holding back diversification. Part of the problem is, if you have a clue, if you have even an ounce of common sense. You would not leave a resource like oil in the ground. Well, no. You'd get it out, sell it. Yes, of and, course. And if the world is moving towards no oil, mm -hmm. then we better get it out and sell it quick. Mm -hmm. Right? So it's not a matter of, well, let's just forget that we have that resource and leave it in the ground. No. We need to find ways to get it to market quickly then, if that's the way the planet is moving. So... I, I'm sorry. I, I told you I, I get a little wound up. Yeah, no, so. that's okay. It's just it's it's uh, it's an interesting topic. I I do think that there are some people that are tearing a hunk out instead of just scratching, mm -hmm. right? I mean, but that's that's anywhere. Yep. There's there's extremes on on any side. Yep. Um, do I think separation is is the is the no. way to go? No, I don't. No, I think it's time to renegotiate confederation. Frankly, cheapers. Oh, <laughs> Hi, Jim. I must have, uh, uh, hi guys, I must apologize, little fuel I'm going to add on to the fire. You mentioned Confederation, so it, it really hit the button. Here we are giving Quebec $12 billion a year from the equalization payments. Mm -hmm. They're not even part of Confederation because they never signed Confederation. So why are we still giving Quebec money that's not even part of Canada? Do you know, it's funny, uh, in some ways, and I would, you know, in some way, uh, well, without getting into the details about how equalization payments work and everything, because we all pay the same and blah, 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 and I'm the one who always says that. Quebec, to me, sometimes feels like, um, you know, you took out insurance on a car that you sold several years ago, and yep. you just realized you've still been paying insurance premiums. You know what I mean? Because does Quebec need our equalization money? Well, and the other thing is, too, I mean, we're going to talk about it in a minute for the pipeline. You know, what if we had a prime minister who had got, you'd just build it. I mean, what is Quebec going to do? I mean, nobody, nobody's protesting when the oil tankers come down to eastern Canada. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I mean, I mean, this thing with Saudi Arabia might wake everybody up because if they get upset, I think the Americans and what we have will be able to look after ourselves as the rest of the world. But it might be a good wake-up call because Quebec and, uh, and, and the Maritimes don't get it. They don't appreciate what we have here. And I've always been a supporter, and I've always said, you know what, if we can help other Canadians, we yeah. do it. But I'm really tired of the point now where it seems like that's what we're doing is we're helping other Canadians, but we're not getting anything in return, and I think it's about time we do something. That is how I feel, too, honestly. All right, guys, keep up the show. Thanks, yeah. Jim. Take Thank it you. easy. Okay, 2.46 on the 6.30 chat afternoon news. Um, I'm waving to Mike Riley through the window. Mm. Good game, Mike. Yeah, hope you're feeling better. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> All right, a quick break here. We'll be back with more right after this.
Hey, we've got a great guest coming up after uh, 3 o'clock. You arranged... Yeah, we do. Uh, she's coming to town this uh, weekend, uh, Barbara Stegman, who was one of the uh, big winners on Dragon's Den uh, years ago, but has gone on to found uh, an incredibly successful company. She's written books. Yeah. She has. Uh, she's a public speaker all over the place. Um, and, and, and the reason why she started this company is all connected to a horrific um, attack on a Canadian soldier in Afghanistan in 2006. Right. And so, you know, when you say, well, she was the, we start with the credit, she won a Dragon's Den. Mm -hmm. That's in no way the reason that we were interested in no. talking to her on the show. The backstory to her company and her product that you just alluded to is an incredible story, yeah. uh, both for her and the soldier involved. Yeah. And then, you know, and, and you as you say, she's gone on to such greatness. Yeah. Captain Trevor Green, he was, uh, he was attacked by I, um, he was attacked while trying to kind of moderate, um, uh, um, if I remember correctly, among a group of Afghan elders, and someone hit him over the head with an axe. Right. As part of uh, what the military do in these uh, situations, mm -hmm. he was meeting with a number of different elders to talk about um, being able to filter and provide clean water mm -hmm. for the villages mm -hmm. in the area. A part of what the military does before they leave an area is they yeah. help rebuild or, you know, they do a lot of work that we kind of say we know, but we don't really yeah, see, exactly. you know, what they do. Um, I've had the opportunity yeah. when entertaining troops to see some of the work yeah. that they do, and it's quite... It's quite amazing. But yeah, he was basically in what he believed to be a very friendly yeah. um, environment and somebody and who... And didn't have a helmet on because not, of that. Exactly. And was would be disrespectful yes. to sit down with the elders and wear a helmet because it would suggest you don't trust, trust them. them, right? Uh, but somebody who was uh, associated with one of those terrorist organizations um, don't want these villagers to be friends with these... Well, they don't want them to succeed. Right. So, uh, yeah, an attack out of nowhere and... Uh, just changed a, his life horrific, forever. Just a horrific in injury, and um, the work that has been done, he has done, and his family has done to, um, you know, they didn't think he'd ever come out of his coma. Well, unbelievable as I read the story, because yeah. I assumed the story ended with him dying on no. the spot. He took an no. axe to the head. No. Um, but yeah, the story of his rehabilitation and where he's gone with and what he's done as a result yeah. of that is a is another inspiring story. But it's connected to Barbara, who yeah. we'll be talking to after three. So yeah, looking forward to that. She's actually, they're, they're all, uh, Barbara and, uh, and Captain Green and his wife are all going to be in town. Uh, for There's a, a rotary conference going on mm. this weekend. So they're going to be, there's a movie coming out, it's called Perfume Wars, Right. Um, that is a part of all of this as well. So lots yeah. there, but it's it's it fascinating, where, it's all connected. Yeah, there's a connection to where the materials, the crops are grown, mm -hmm. and, there's, and what crops are were already being grown in Afghanistan. There's just a whole lot to this story, and it's interesting. So having, we, we originally wanted to get her on to talk to, as a part of the uh, leadership uh, yeah, series. And we are going to ask her about some of mm -hmm. that as well. But anyway, the whole uh, the whole uh, story is really, really fascinating. So we're going to talk with Barbara. And again, don't forget, right around 420, 425-ish, mm -hmm. we're going to be making that call for the grand prize winner for that trip to Montego Bay. Yeah, it should be fun. Cassandra from Promotions will be walking up the stairs with the... Uh, Winning name? With the phone number in her hand. So we'll do that okay. right now, though. Yes. We have to go to the 3 o'clock news. All right.
The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.